MPB News is leading the way, covering stories that matter to Mississippians with five first-place awards from the Associated Press, including breaking news, radio achievement, and public affairs reporting. Your source for a deeper look at today's top story is MPB News. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Wednesday, August 1st. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, what do residents think should be the highest priority in Mississippi? Find out in the latest State of the State survey from Millsaps College and Chisholm Strategies. Each of the times that we've now conducted the survey, fixing roads and bridges has been listed as as the top priority. And that seems to signal something. Then, advocates are asking Jackson residents for opinions on the state's second largest school district. And a special report on how a group of Mississippi students are battling hunger in the Delta. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippians' top priority is fixing roads and bridges. That's according to the latest State of the State survey conducted by Millsaps College and Chisholm Strategies. The quarterly analysis found that voters want to see action on infrastructure repair. The results come as Governor Phil Bryant and members of the legislature discuss a possible special session. Kenneth Townsend is executive director of the Institute for Civic and Professional Engagement at Millsaps. He tells us the survey is designed to reflect voters turnout in the 2016 general election, and its findings could help inform state legislators. We weight the survey results to reflect the 2016 general election turnout for age, race, gender, and partisanship, so that if we end up with a few more people oriented this way or of that background, we adjust the results a bit so that they reflect the demographic turnout from 2016 general election. So we use best practices for the survey itself and um, feel confident in the, the results from the survey. Is this the second survey since the legislative session? Our last survey was in April, so that was right as the session was wrapping up. We did that in the first week of April or so, and then now we've um, conducted this one in, in July of 18. So, yeah, this is the second um, survey since the, the legislature wrapped up. You have a list of issues that are of importance to Mississippians, or I guess you ask of what importance are they? How many are on that list? We have eight different – we have – I'll read them to you quickly if you're interested. Reducing the size of government, fixing roads and bridges, giving tax incentives and grants for companies that create jobs, making health care more accessible and affordable, more funding for public schools, more funding for university and community colleges, protecting traditional family values, or other. And of those categories, this is the fourth time that we've done the survey. Each of the times that we've now conducted the survey, fixing roads and bridges – has been listed as as the top priority. And that seems to signal something, that if confronted with eight different options, for consecutive surveys, Mississippians have identified fixing roads and bridges as the most important priority. And we anticipate a special session to address funding for that. Right. So in some ways, that's not a major surprise. If the legislature is, if the governor and the legislature are attentive to the concerns of the people of Mississippi, then it makes sense to try to figure out a way to fix our infrastructure problems with particular eye on the roads and bridges. And I think a lot of people are going to be watching closely to see what emerges from that. A lot of us were hopeful in this past legislative session that something would emerge. Um, But in the end, it didn't seem like people could get on the same page um, quickly enough to, to put together a 
sufficient package. What's next? This go-round, number two, was more funding for public schools, and then closely behind that, uh, making health care more accessible and affordable. Those have been the top three priorities in every survey that we've done since January. The order has flipped for health care and public schools, um, but those three have been the top, with fixing roads and bridges always number one, and then um, health care and public schools. As, as two and three. Are these issues something the legislature can do something about? Is it tied to the legislature specifically? Some of the items, they're very specific. So more funding for public schools. Yes, the legislature controls funding for the most part for public schools. Other items on our list of possible priorities are not quite as specific. Protecting traditional family values, for example, that could mean somewhat different things to different people. And you might say, well, what is the legislature going to do to protect traditional family values? Um, But with respect to the things that Mississippians have cited as their top priorities, fixing roads and bridges, more funding for public schools, making health care more accessible and affordable. There are certainly steps that the legislature could take. As we've already noted, the special session to address roads and bridges seems like one way that the legislature might be addressing that topic. And I expect that conversation to continue into the 2019 legislative session. Whatever happens in a special session, I don't think that's going to be the end of, of infrastructure conversations. Public school funding, this is an ongoing debate in Mississippi, right? I mean, we had the proposed constitutional amendment a few years back that attracted a lot of attention, and then it ended up not passing. But ever since then, there have been ongoing conversations about the the, the level of funding for public schools in Mississippi and, and whether or not um, the legislature should appropriate um, more funds. And, of course, the arguments against that have been that they're just – aren't really funds to appropriate, but that's the legislature's business to make decisions about how to prioritize, right? Do we prioritize a tax cut, um, you know, which the legislature did, I guess it was two legislative sessions ago, or do we prioritize funding for public schools? The At the time, the legislature decided to prioritize the tax cut, and I think what you're seeing here in, in surveys like this, at least some Mississippians, at least a significant chunk of Mississippians, are expressing um, concerns about that. Well, what were the least amount of uh, priorities? The least, um, more funding for universities and community colleges. It only got 3% support this time around, so it did not do well. And then the others um, that were in single digits include uh, protecting traditional family values and reducing the size of government, um, both of the size of state government, both of those are at 8%. And I don't know what's to account for this, but if you look back from September of 2017 to July of 2018, reducing the size of state government got 16% of the, the vote as the top priority in that first poll that we did in September. And now it's dropped down to 8%. So it, it has for whatever reason, it has become less of a concern based on our survey results. You asked the people you survey to rate or comment on specific people, and you changed those people from survey to survey. What names were put before the respondents this time? Yeah, so this time around, we we surveyed um, Delbert Hoseman, our Secretary of State. We have Lynn Fitch, the Treasurer of the state. We have um, Brandon Presley, Public Service Commissioner for the Northern District, Mike Cheney, Insurance Commissioner, Andy Gibson, Agriculture, New Agriculture Commissioner, also uh, Mark Baker, who has recently announced, state legislator, um, who has recently announced um, his intention to run for Attorney General. 
All right, so out of that group of people, who rated the highest? Delbert Hoseman has the highest favorability, and his he has 47% approve and 15% disapprove. Um, and then there's a chunk of folks who are um, unsure, but that's a very strong net um, positive. Uh, Treasurer Lynn Fitch also has strong um, positives, 37% approve and 17% disapprove. Um, so strong net favorability there as well. With most of the other folks that we surveyed, there was a pretty good chunk, at least a majority of voters who were unsure, which indicates that either they're not familiar with the names or unfamiliar with the work of, of the elected officials. Um, and so for some of these folks who are making statewide bids, you know, for example, Mark Baker, 73% of respondents said they were unsure. What that signals for him is that he's really got to get his name out there if he's going to make a, a run at attorney general. How can people access this report? simplest thing is to go to Google or your search engine and type in Millsaps, Chisholm, State of the State Survey, and it will pop up not only the most recent survey, but also um, the, the ones from recent months as well. Kenneth Townsend is the executive director of the Institute for Civic and Professional Engagement at Millsaps College. Kenneth, thank you so much for sharing all that information with us. Good to talk with you as always, Karen. In other Mississippi news, politicians are delivering speeches at the Neshoba County Fair today. The annual event draws officials at the local, state, and national levels speaking on current issues. We sat down with State Attorney General Jim Hood last week and asked what he planned to address at the fair. He tells us his office is his priority. You know, I always talk about things that we've done in our office. I love being Attorney General. We have... uh, had a lot of lot of success this year. I mean, we brought in over two hundred million dollars uh, in this uh, FY twenty seventeen, and um, you know I'll be talking about some of the accomplishments in our office and things like that. Will you be taking aim at Lieutenant Governor Reeves? I try to do you know in politics doing to others. You know, I, I try to talk about what good that we can do. Um, I think that's what most people want out of politics. Unfortunately, you know, the dialogue in Washington has gotten so nasty. Um, I prefer to try to talk about what changes we should make and what I would do. And, um, you know, that's let the people infer whether or not that's negative or not. Might you have an announcement at the Neshoba County Fair? Uh, Probably not. (laughs) Okay, we'll leave it at that. Attorney General Jim Hood. Coming up, advocates are asking Jackson residents for opinions on the state's second largest school district. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. If you miss anything on MPB Think Radio, you can always stay up to date by logging on to our website at mpbonline.org or use your mobile device and download our MPB public media app. This is MPB Think Radio, where Mississippi is our mission. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Advocates want even more community input on issues concerning the second largest school district in the state. It's part of the Better Together Commission's effort to develop a plan of action for the district. The commission is a compromise that came about when Governor Phil Bryant agreed not to sign off on a state takeover. Members say they want a plan that includes public opinions and solutions. Over the summer, they've held a youth summit and listening sessions with more than 300 JPS students. Aisha Carson is the Youth Engagement Liaison for the Better Together Commission. She tells MPB's Ashley Norwood about the role the summit plays in the process. 
The Better Together Commission, um, really as a part of our community engagement work, wants to be able to engage every different constituency and stakeholder um, within Jackson Public School Districts to really get opinions about the experiences in the district or with the district and also their creative solutions about what it's going to take to change. And so as a part of that, we wanted to really lift up youth voice. Of course, we know that's the most important stakeholder group in really what we're trying to accomplish with the Better Together Commission in changing outcomes for JPS students. So we wanted to hear from them specifically about their experiences and creative solutions. But the summit offered the opportunity to do that in a really innovative way, um, not just having students to come into a classroom and fill out a survey, but really in, in engaging with them and providing them the space to be able to talk about their experiences in different mediums. So, for instance, we had a hip hop and rap session where they're able to use creatively use those um, skills that you use when you do hip hop and rap to be able to talk about their experiences. So we did it in a really engaging way for students, but we were still able to extract the data that we needed around youth perspectives for JPS. Can you talk about some of the questions asked and what was some of the um, knowledge gained from that conversation with young people? I think a, lo- a lot of the times when people, when we're engaging different parts of the school district, they think that people's perceptions are going to be completely different. Like teachers will say one thing and students will say something completely different. But what we've seen so far is that a lot of the conversations we're having with teachers and students are the same thing. So resources in the classroom, funding, smaller class sizes, better facilities are all the things that came up in conversations with students. But if you talk to other states, stakeholder groups like teachers, board members, they're all going to say those exact same things too. So how can we kind of leverage these conversations and come up with solutions to be able to address the issues that each stakeholder group is saying that they have in order to create better outcomes? Uh, why was it important to have such community engagement? One, it contributes to how we change the narrative about Jackson Public School District. That's something that came up a lot in the data that we got from students. And that's that they feel that the perception of their school district is bad. The people in the community feel that the perception of the school district is bad. And whether that narrative is true or false has become reality over a period of time because that's the narrative that's pushed. Aisha Carson is the Youth Engagement Liaison for the Better Together Commission. Aisha, thank you again so much for your time. Thank you. Kai Thompson is a sophomore at Murrah High School who participated in the Youth Summit. He tells MPB's Ashley Norwood what concerns him most about his school. As far as facilities, our infrastructure is pretty much failing, such as roof or the air conditioning isn't working in the summer and we can't get heat in the winter. As far as resources, there isn't really an abundant source of resources. So some kids might not have textbooks, so we have to share. Or everyone can't get a laptop to take a test. So we could definitely use a lot more than we're given. How does that affect your ability to learn or focus in class, if it does at all? It has a huge impact on learning because if you feel like you can learn in a clean, um, safe, nice-looking environment, studies show that test subjects do better regarding learning in a dirty or failing environment. So the environment definitely has a big impact on student performance, Um, especially in a classroom if there's insects or bugs running around or the wall is cracking. So that definitely has a big impact. And you talked about resources, too. So given that thought about infrastructure and resources, um, have you ever personally felt some type of way? 
Definitely. Even as a, a freshman last year, I definitely saw it was different than any other school I've been to. So going into Murrah, you know, with Murrah's reputation, you know, they have a high reputation. So I figured that the circumstances and the environment would be better, but it wasn't. And so it that took some time getting used to, especially when I studied and I'm ready to take the test, but I have to wait 30 minutes to an hour for another student to finish before I can take it. And sometimes I don't get to take it that day. I may have to come back to another class, which it hurts me because in that class I need to be focusing and learning about a whole different subject. So I've definitely um, felt many emotions about my environment and resources. Do you blame anybody for um, the condition that the school or, you know, just some of the issues that students have complained about? I do. And it might seem unfair, but I blame um, our previous board, our previous um, mayor, previous superintendent, because there were a lot of things that should have been done that were not done. I believe that's how we got here. And there were other faults before them, and I know that some of them came into the circumstances that they were given, but they could have did more to solve some of these circumstances, and I feel like they did not operate to their full jobs description and class that they were supposed to. And I also blame ourselves because only now are we speaking up to take action. We should have done this a long time ago. So at that point, we can really only blame ourselves, too, along with the others. And it's not one person's fault. We all have to, you know, take the fall for it. But as long as we see that the places that we were wrong and the places that we can improve on, then we can start moving forward and we can say, okay, we see where we went wrong, how we went wrong, how can we better that? Kai Thompson is a sophomore at Murr High School. Kai, thanks so much. Appreciate being here. Volunteers also knocked on more than 60,000 doors, surveying residents on topics like teacher quality and student testing. The Better Together Commission has until November to file a corrective action plan. Moving on, being hungry has a direct effect on learning, and children at an elementary school in the Delta are addressing the problem head-on. They're growing their own vegetables and including them in healthy meals. MPB's Alexandra Watts has this report. Leland Elementary School 4th and 5th graders line up to spend time in their school's garden. Colorful signs and flowers line the path. On this humid Delta day, young gardeners make pasta salad with the fresh vegetables they grew themselves. Ryan Betts is going over cooking techniques. It's not a mixing spoon. Okay, you guys ready? Everyone say whisk. 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 He's the co-founder and program manager of Delta Eats, a school gardening program. The schools really provide a really great institution in the community in which we can really have the gardens take root. People really underestimate how much food is part of our education. He says Delta Eats provides instruction throughout the school year. During that time, we're taking students out and we're doing uh, garden lessons that touch on math, science, English language, arts, social studies. And it's really important to bring that here to the Delta because, I mean, historically it's been underserved. A United Health Foundation report ranks Mississippi as the most food insecure state. 
Food insecurity is when a person lacks access to nutritious food, but when a garden is right outside a school classroom, fresh produce is grown by students for students. Sandra Shelson, executive director of Partnership for a Healthy Mississippi, says the lack of nutritious food impacts how a child learns. If anyone's ever been hungry, well, let's say you missed your lunch time, it's very disruptive to your thought process because what are you thinking about? You're thinking about your stomach growling. So if you are a child and you come to school and you're hungry, then you're probably not going to be in the best place to learn. As you drive through the Mississippi Delta and you see rows and rows of crops, one might assume there's more than enough food to go around. But these crops aren't always food crops. And a lot of individuals do not have access to land or time to garden, says Betts. There's definitely um, you know, not as much gardening and and so on and so forth that's being passed down by families as much and you know a lot of families cook you know with with you know not not necessarily like always with fresh stuff like maybe it's like canned or frozen so this is actually a good opportunity for students to learn tons of lessons how do you know that's red pepper it's red as the school's test scores rise he says the garden helps literacy come alive. Students might read the words of different types of flowers like marigold or zinnia, but it's a whole other thing to actually hold that marigold or that zinnia in your hand. This is a mint, a mint plant. You guys ever had mint before? Jennifer Clay is working with the students as part of Food Corps, a nonprofit that works to provide healthy food in schools. She says the garden is part of their curriculum. The superintendent of the Leland School District said that the Delta East program aligns with the requirements for the state. So it's more of an outdoor lab, in like an extension from the classroom. Born and raised in the Delta, Clay understands the region's issues and why it's important for students to grow and eat nutritious food. We need to start them early so they know how to cut back on a lot of things. It's very important for our kids to be able to live a longer life. High-calorie food options can outweigh low-calorie options in rural areas. And Shelson from The Partnership says health can be affected. With food insecurity, oftentimes the food that you're going to have access to is going to be the low nutritional value, high caloric, high salt, high sugar, high fat, but the most economic. So you tend to eat as much of it as you possibly can because you might not know when you're going to eat again. For a state with a high childhood obesity rate, Carolyn Willis with the Delta Health Alliance is hopeful the fresh produce from school gardens will be beneficial to their health. It's very important for our children to know where fruits and vegetables come from. Some of our children do suffer from some chronic diseases like high cholesterol, high blood pressure. Some of our children also have asthma. We are hoping the health benefits of introducing fresh fruits and vegetables will also decrease other health risks that we see in our children. Right now we are washing dishes. It's time to eat and the students sit at a picnic table anticipating the pasta salad. With Delta Eats, Fetz hopes to convey to kids that the food we put in our mouth matters. There's really a choice of health and wellness or a choice of unwanted disease and sickness, and it all starts at the dinner table. The students enjoy the food they grew and ultimately made. As they finish their meal, they recite their garden chant. So read behind us, we must show. It takes love to make things grow. Our roots are strong and this we know. The students say goodbye for the day, but the seeds they planted are just beginning to grow.
Alexandra Watts, MPB News. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Fix It 101. At 10, it's Everyday Tech. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. Did you miss part of the show today? Find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB Public Media app from the Apple or Google Play stores. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio. Health Minute is underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Live healthy, live blue. It's good to be blue. Free food is second only to stock options as the top